I'm actress and notable famous person Floris Leachman, and I gotta say, it feels wonderful not caring about climate change. I don't have to care about climate change. I don't have to care either. Me neither. You know why I don't have to care? Because I'll be dead, silly. Because I'll be dead, shithead. I'll be long gone. I don't care. I'll be dead by then. Worry about climate change? That's an after I'm dead problem. I still have while I'm alive problems, like finding comfortable shoes, like driving under the speed limit, like stealing silverware and getting enough fiber. See this hair? Don't have to care about climate change. I'm gonna be dead, right? Asking me about climate change is like asking me what I want to be when I grow up. Back in my day, we didn't have climate change. We had cold, and uh, we liked it. My grandkids are spoiled anyway. They could use a little hardship, the bastards. Ooh, the big bad ocean's gonna rise up and swallow half of Florida. Good. Takes care of our country's Florida problem. Hey y'all, we're the Climate Changers, and today we're talking about America's influence on climate change and different aspects of how to help current events and other policies involving climate change. Before we get started, we just want to let y'all know that some of the clips we play may contain some sensitive content and language. I'm Elif Turker. I'm Anna Bacoro. I'm Mary Kokenauer. I'm Hallie Lindsay. And I'm Lane Zawaki. Hello, hello guys. We have quite the podcast for you guys today, we're, and we're excited for all of you to hear it. We have different segments lined up where some of us are going to cover interesting topics and details. We will be diving into the world of bottle bills, the Paris Agreement, and what people really mean when they say climate change. Overall, we really want to focus on America's impact on climate change. First up to dive into the facts surrounding the history of climate change is Anna. So just to give you guys some background information on climate change and how we have handled it in the past, I want to talk about the history and the previous policies that have been implemented. So, it actually took almost an entire century of research to convince the scientific community that human activity was actually altering the climate of our planet. And even still, there are plenty of people who continue to doubt its existence. Oftentimes, too, I'll come across people who acknowledge that climate change is real and happening, but say that they don't think there's anything specifically that they can do about it to make a change. But we're here to tell you that there is so much you individually can do. So let me first explain exactly what climate change is and its causes. I feel like I can't talk about climate change without mentioning the greenhouse effect, which is warming as a result from when the atmosphere traps heat as it radiates from the Earth's surface towards space. The process of heat exchange between energy from the sun and the Earth has been a constantly occurring process, however this becomes an issue when the energy leaving the Earth gets trapped and leads to warming. Certain gases like CO2, N2O, and CH4, among others, contribute to this by being semi-permanently present in the atmosphere and they absorb energy from the sun, thus preventing the proper exchange from happening. Also, the presence of lighter environmental components such as icebergs and clouds reflect light, whereas darker things like the ocean absorb light. These harmful gases that get trapped in the atmosphere are increased by human actions such as burning fossil fuels and the clearing of land by agriculture. This inevitably leads to increases in temperature, which causes melting of icebergs and increases the overall sea level. Again, this increase in water and decrease in ice continues the cycle of trapping heat and warming the planet. And although we are increasing the size of our oceans, we are decreasing its quality by dumping trash, oil, and plastics into the waters. I actually have something I wanted to add about this because I recently learned when I went to get my hair cut here in Athens that you can donate your hair to clean up the ocean. I told my hairdresser that I was interested in donating my hair within the year, but I was worried about the length requirement, which is usually around 8 inches. 
She told me that now you can donate your hair of any amount to be used to help clean up the ocean. I thought this was so cool and is something super easy that almost everyone can do to help make a difference. So if you're looking for an easy way to change global warming, go get a haircut. A lot of people ask how we know that changes in the sun's emissions aren't the problem, but NASA actually has satellites that have been measuring the energy output of the sun since 1978. This information has shown that there has actually been a drop in solar radiance over time, thus ruling out this as an option. So looking at the previous policies that we've been a part of, um, there have actually been several policies and motions currently in place in the U.S. to help lower and monitor the rate of greenhouse gas emissions and the release into the environment. While these are intended to do good, they're changing too little and too late into the game. In order to see change at a quick rate, these must be pushed even further to drastically reduce greenhouse gases from entering the atmosphere quickly. Some of these previous policies include the Clean Power Plan, which is a plan that requires the EPA to work with states to lower the greenhouse gas emissions. There has been advanced research project agencies um, to help research and develop programs that can drive the progress in clean energy technologies and their implementation. This goes hand in hand with energy policy laws that mandate the Department of Energy to partner with sectors to, re to research, develop, and deploy clean energy technologies. The Natural Gas Star program has been implemented, which is a voluntary program that works with businesses to reduce their emissions, as well as the fuel efficiency and emission standards have had regulations implemented that require the Department of Transportation to set standards on fuel efficiency and emissions from vehicles. And last but not least, the Paris Agreement was a policy that united nations by coming together to fight the widespread pressing issue of climate change. This agreement sought to fight global warming by taking action and investing to achieve a low-carbon low future. One of the main goals of the agreement was to ensure that developing countries were also equipped to take climate change-preventing measures. The United Nations has a great article available that goes into further detail on all the specifics of this pact and each goal it has set into place. The main thing I find important about the agreement is that it was a way to bring together countries to forget their differences and join together to fight an issue that is impacting every single one of them. Of course, though, it was just too good to be true because in June of 2017, President Trump announced that the U.S. would cease all participation in the Paris Agreement because it would undermine the economy. But Hallie has done more research on this, so she can get, give more details about it than me. I announced the withdrawal of the United States from the horrible, costly, one-sided Paris Climate Accord. Ask them how they're doing in Paris with it. Not too good. I canceled the so-called clean power plan and repealed Obama's federal coal moratorium. We're putting our great miners back to work. Yeah, so that's Trump's opinion on his withdrawal, but for those of you who do not remember, President Donald Trump gave a speech on June 1st, 2017, withdrawing the United States from the Paris Agreement and ceasing all implementations of the Accords policies. While I won't go into every minor detail of Trump's withdrawal statement, I will drive home some of the key points that the President had made. In my own opinion, the most shocking claim, and may I add incorrect, was when Trump tried to inform the audience that even if the Paris Agreement's policies were implemented in full, it would negligibly impact global temperatures. In his own words, Trump stated, it is estimated it would only produce a two-tenths of one degree, 
Think of that, this much Celsius reduction in global temperature by the year 2100. Tiny, tiny amount. This tidbit of information that he provided is quite unrealistic. There's actually this really cool website called the Climate Action Tracker. It's a scientific analysis provided by the collaboration efforts of two organizations, the Climate Analytics and the New Climate Institute. They provide monthly updates on warming projections showing expected temperatures with both optimistic and current policies. Their assessment concluded that if the policies were fully implemented by all nationally determined contributors or NDCs, temperatures would be kept down by 0.8 degrees Celsius, 3.6 degrees of warming compared to 2.8 degrees. With that being said, Trump did make some considerable arguments, so let's get into the pros and cons of the Paris Agreement in terms of the United States. Trump's most dominant argument had to do more with our economy rather than the actual behavior of the climate. He informed audience members that the Paris Agreement hurt America's economy with the loss of jobs in manufacturing businesses, which includes automobile industries. Additionally, the agreement was said to cut production of iron, steel, and coal, among others. All in all, his argument estimated that the Paris Agreement would cost close to $3 trillion lost in GDP and 6.5 million industrial jobs. However, there are two sides to every story, and the climate analytics take a much different take on the agreement in terms of our economy. They write that many other studies show that the agreement's policies can lead to economic growth. To back up this claim, they use a study from the OECD, or the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which shows that countries could expect to see a 5% boost in economic growth by 2050 if they pursue policies that are climate resilient and then transition to low carbon efforts. While Trump definitely raised his concerns regarding how the Paris Agreement would directly affect the U.S., he also mentioned possible renegotiation, stating the United States will withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord but begin negotiations to re-enter either the Paris Accord or a really entirely new transaction. Most people would hear this and think, great, but it is not as simple as Trump made it out to sound. For one, the Paris Agreement cannot be renegotiated based on the request of a mere single party, and additionally, we also cannot re-enter until we have legally withdrawn, and the earliest this legal action can take place is in November of next year. More or less, things are very up in the air right now. Americans are left wondering what we can do to counter the effects of leaving this agreement. The ideas of new policies are definitely being sought after, so with that, I'll let Lane explain some of the brainstorming we have been doing ourselves. So we had some ideas about policies that could be implemented in order to slow climate change. The main ones we came up with had to do with recycling initiatives that could be implemented on the state level. One of these are known as bottle bills. Basically, a consumer purchases bottled or glass beverages with a deposit to the retailer. When the consumer is finished with the beverage and they return it to the retail location or recycle it in some way, their deposit is refunded. This gives the consumer the incentive to recycle their used bottles since they will be getting a portion of their money back. I watched a movie called Tact about the bottled water industry for another course and they actually mentioned the bottle bill as an alternative to throwing away plastic that can be recycled. Here's a brief audio clip from the film about this legislation. Of the 80 million single-serve bottles of water Americans consume daily, 30 million of them end up in landfills. The average world recycling rate on beverage containers is 
The United States falls behind that world average, with a rate of around only 20% of all beverage containers actually getting recycled. This number has been on a steady decline year after year. It's, it's important, I think, to make it known that 100% of bottled water containers are recycled. And we do encourage... Well, they are recyclable, but they're not being recycled. Not all of them. It's just because there isn't enough recycling capacity. There's not enough collection. The charge to provide safe drinking water in the whole country really comes down to municipal officials. And they spend an awful lot of money to provide a safe product, and they're competing then with the bottled water company, and in some cases feeling a little bit under attack by the bottled water folks. And then at the back end, after you know they go through this sort of insulting, our water isn't as good as your water kind of thing, then the municipalities are meant to pick up the tab by providing all the recycling for the plastic bottles. Well, why not put some of the recycling costs onto the bottled water industry then? What a good idea! That's exactly what container deposit legislation or container deposit systems do. Only 11 states offer container deposit legislation, also known as bottle bills. That's when consumers pay a small deposit on the bottles they purchase and get that deposit back when they return it for recycling. That funding is what funds the entire recycling program is completely in the hands of private industry. So not only is it not reliant on taxpayer funding, but they're not worrying about the volatility of government funding to pay for the program. In states that have a five cent deposit, they get about a 70% return rate. In Michigan, where they have a 10 cent deposit, they get a 97% return rate. It really is a proven system. It's been in place in most of these states for 25 or more years, and we know it works well. A lot of states don't have bottled water covered in their systems because bottled water didn't exist 25 years ago when they passed their bills. Of the 11 states that have bottled bills, only six of them have expanded to include bottled water. Most of the states that have bottled bills, they only cover soft drinks and beer. And so when bottle bills, when it comes up to expand them, they send their lobbyists in, they spend millions of dollars fighting those bills. Because we think, think it's an unnecessary tax uh, on the American consumers. What we'd like to see is actually more street curbside um, pickup. Uh, curbside recycling is uh, the preferred method and can be very effective. And we're trying to do everything we can to encourage consumers to recycle. Along with bottle bills, there are also so many other things that you can do on a small scale to help reduce the amount of gases being released into the atmosphere, such as composting, eliminating excess food waste, and lower water use. I actually found a really interesting blog about climate change and food waste. It was written by an environmental student at Duke, and she explains that about 3.3 billion metric tons of CO2 are released each year through the production, transportation, and packaging of food that will end up in landfills. Decomposition of this food leads to methane gas entering the atmosphere. Methane in the atmosphere is worse than CO2 due to its larger warming potential. The blog also gives instructions on how to limit your own food waste by starting a compost. You can find these instructions on the Duke website within their blogs. You can also lower the amount of pollution into waterways and landfills by just saving up plastic and paper to put in local recycling bins. Lastly, I want to talk about some possible regulations that can be introduced regarding packaging plastic materials. 
This could possibly start a movement to stop packaging plastic bottles with even more plastic and move towards using more recyclable materials. Even though these would be ideal if they were passed, I want to mention that we would probably see a greater and more efficient impact if state and local governments propose policies rather than relying on the federal government to implement legislations. I just wanted to jump in here and talk a little bit about my firsthand experience with circumstances like this. I worked at the mall in Georgia for two years while I was in high school. This is the largest mall in Georgia with 196 stores. I was shocked as I continued my retail position and learned that there was absolutely no recycling option provided for the stores, only a trash one. The specific store I worked at kept our recycling and our own employees would each take home a bag at the end of the night to recycle at our own homes. Imagine the amount of recycling that is thrown away in a retail-based mall with 195 other stores than the one I worked at. Unfortunately, this is, not an uncommon, this is not uncommon in our world when it comes to providing a simple recycling option. As we're closing up, I just want to remind you of the many things we talked about today. Now that you actually know what exactly climate change entails from Anna's history lesson, you can dive in more into details when reading or discussing policy and scientific facts surrounding this issue. America has such a large role in our world and we're seen as influencers, and if we go to make a change, others will follow. All of this might seem like a lot, but remember that your individual actions do make an impact. When in doubt, remember. Donate your hair to the ocean. Buy yourself a hydro flask. You're never too old to care about the planet. Speak up and vote. There are tons of other sources out there that give easy tips and tricks to save the planet. Keep, keep learning about what you can do. Now we're going to leave you in the wise words of Bill Nye. Here, I, I've got an experiment for you. Safety glasses on. By the end of this century, if emissions keep rising, the average temperature on Earth could go up another 4 to 8 degrees. What I'm saying is the planet's on fucking fire. There are a lot of things we could do to put it out. Are any of them free? No, of course not. Nothing's free, you idiots. Grow the fuck up. You're not children anymore. I didn't mind explaining photosynthesis to you when you were 12. But you're adults now, and this is an actual crisis. Got it? Safety glasses off, motherfuckers. <laughs>